when you try me with a mediocre question, that's the result you're going to get. <laughs> uh, starting left fielder. Uh, Ichiro. No! God, please, no! No! There is some potential there. If he would just, I don't know, use his brain. Um, <laughs> because, especially, I mean, come on, man. Jerry Depoto's the GM. Who the hell knows? Looking out my window and this FedEx driver just hit a tree. You are no gentleman. And neither are you. guys what's going on and welcome to the soto mojo podcast this is colton Patwood, and i'm joined as always by ty gonzalez and ty, we actually have some uh transactions to talk about today so uh, yeah yeah jerry jerry came through gave us some content thank you daddy jerry uh for that and uh yeah should be a fun one it will indeed so on today's show guys obviously we're going to talk about the omar narvaez trade that just went down at about 3 a.m. this morning, um, Ken Rosenthal tweeted about it. Um, <laughs> of course, Ty and I both happened to be up late last night and sleep in a little bit today. And uh, wouldn't you know it, that's the morning Jerry DePoto makes a big trade. So um, yeah. the full, full breakdown's now up at SotoMojo.com. By the time you guys are listening to this, you've probably already read that. Uh, but just, you know, just in case you haven't. Um, but we are also going to talk about um, the uh, interesting non-tender uh, decisions that the Mariners made. Um, maybe, maybe we'll see if we have time. We can dive into one or two of the non-tenders around baseball that uh, Ty and I like. But uh, let's start with the non-tender decisions, and then we'll close on the uh, the big uh, Omar Narvaez trade here. Uh, the Seattle Mariners decide not to tender a contract to Tim Beckham, which is you know as expected. Uh, but they also decided not to tender a contract to Domingo Santana, which I mean to me was. Puzzling to say the least, Ty. What was uh, what was your take on it? Yeah, same as you. Um, you know, and same as pretty much uh, every Mariners fan out there. Uh, I don't. I don't think uh, a whole lot of us were were expecting this to happen. Uh, you know, we heard some rumblings about it happening a couple days uh, before the deadline. Um, but you know, you, you would have thought that. You know, even at four point four million dollars, which is what he was expected to get in arbitration, that like for the bat alone, that's a pretty pretty solid deal. Uh, no matter how bad his defense has been, um, and you would have thought that you know they would have found a trade partner and it would have gotten something at the very least for him. Um, ultimately, what this comes down to is is uh, the elbow. Um, I. I to me, at least, I, I feel that the elbow is a lot more serious than we may think. Um, that potentially scared teams and potentially even scared the Mariners from keeping their own player. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, because there there were other options to get Domingo playing time and, and on this team other than playing him in the outfield if they were that uncomfortable with his defense or they wanted to open up the door for guys like Kyle Lewis and Jake Fraley, et cetera, to play more. Even then, they, they, they would have been able to get him in the lineup fairly consistently. They could have looked at trading Daniel Vogelback or something like that uh, and putting him in more of a DH role, but, um, you know, or just simply just keeping the, the, the talent on your roster and figuring it out later. But um, ultimately, they, you know, they part ways with him and, Again, I, I think it's because of the elbow, and it's really sad because, one, Domingo was having a really good year leading up to that point. Secondly, the Mariners were probably going to get something nice for him at the deadline. There seemed, there seemed to be quite a bit of interest in him, and, and that injury happens, what, eight days before the trade deadline? So uh, it's just a really, really unfortunate situation. Um I'm uh, a tad bit upset now in, in hindsight with Mariners uh, for pushing things with him and keeping him on the active roster after the injury and trying to put him out there to hit um, probably didn't help the elbow at all. And uh, But, you know, what's yeah. done is done and um, Domingo Santana is no longer a Seattle Mariner. Now that 
that doesn't necessarily mean that he will that he can't come back. Um, right. We have seen this happen before with guys getting non-tendered and then re-signing for less than what their arbitration projection is. So perhaps if the elbow is a major concern, um, Domingo signs a prove-it deal or maybe even a minor league contract. Yeah, uh, we have to wait and see uh, how the market develops. I, I don't think that Domingo is going to have a robust market, to be honest, um, especially if the elbow is going to be problematic at, for any portion of the regular season. Uh, that basically eliminates half the national, that basically eliminates the National League. Um, you know, and Domingo's probably a DH, really should only be a DH right now, anyways. The defense was uh, terrible last year, and it's never really been good. Uh, it's been average at best. Um, so, yeah, we'll see what happens there. I, you know, I, I I think if you're a team like, I don't know, Miami, that can make some sense to go look at Domingo Santana. I think if you're a team like uh, even Tampa Bay or Minnesota um, and you kind of have that DH, you can use them. You can use them in the outfield if you really need to. You can DH them. You can platoon against lefties. You know, there's you can find a way to get him 400 at-bats. Um, then I think maybe there's a their market there, but I don't think you know you're going to see a team run out and sign Domingo. Um, I think he's probably going to wait around and you know be available in January, um, and you know we'll see what the Mariners do with the rest of their roster decisions. Um, you know I know Jerry said that uh, the positional player group is pretty much set, uh, but you know less than 24 hours after he said that he traded Omar Narvaez, so. Um, it's a little bit of GM speak, but I do think they're mostly set. Um, but if this team goes out and they trade, if somebody steps up and gives them a Mitch Hanniger offer they like, or maybe they find a Malik Smith deal or something like that, then there's a possibility that you can re-sign him. Um, but yeah, you know, it just honestly, it seemed a little cheap to me uh, because the Mariners are not going to spend $170 million this year. But right now, they're only at about $100 million, roughly. Um Last well, with year, the Narvaez trade, they're probably at like ninety-seven, something like yeah. They're right around yeah. hundred, um, you know, give or take a couple million bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they have plenty of money to tender that contract. They could have held him, waited to see if the market developed, uh, taken him into spring training, and then they could have just DFA'd him. Um, I, they don't need the forty-man spot. That's not a that's not a thing right now. Um, you know, Zach Rhodes has a 40 man spot. Uh, no offense to him, but I mean, come on, Eric Swanson, Matt Festa, those guys all have 40 man spots. I mean, you had plenty of other options to clear a 40 man spot, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is and, uh, wish Domingo well, and we'll see if he's back. Um, but, uh, if not, then I, I like I said, it's disappointing, but I don't think it's, you know, anywhere near catastrophic or, um, you know, I, I, I just think it is, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, I would have liked the Mariners to have just spent the money and taken that gamble since they're clearly not going to spend it on, you know, I mean, what are you saving that money for this year? Probably nothing. So we'll see how it works out, but, uh, you do clear up some, uh, outfield spot, uh, some outfield space, which they needed to do anyway. So we'll see how it works out. But, um, on the whole, I was surprised and a little bit disappointed, but, uh, you know, the beat goes on. And uh, Jerry, we'll see what Jerry can do for the rest of the uh, winter there. So um, was there anybody who got non-tendered around baseball that you would be interested in specifically? I think the answer is pretty obvious. Uh, a particular former Mariner pitcher that recently underwent Tommy John surgery and has been non-tendered Taiwan Annie Walker oh. well yeah <laughs> oh god no, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah I just realized I described Danny Olson as well <laughs> but uh yeah Taiwan Walker man uh that's that's the one that has to be the one that, and I I would assume that there is some interest there um yeah I that I mean Taiwan loves the city of Seattle I, I would assume that you'd be more than happy to come back. Um, I don't know. I, I, I would I would really, really like to see that. 
Right. I I think that, you know, aside from that being a really good baseball savvy move, um, you know, the guy is uh, would be in his second year recovered from Tommy John. Uh, last year he recovered and then he uh, missed, I think it was half the season with some kind of capsule problem in his shoulder. Um, so he should be pretty back, pretty much close to full health uh, this winter. He has good stuff. Um, he has a pretty high floor. You know what you're going to get from him. Um, he's only 27, I think. So there's still some upside mm-hmm. there. You know, he only has one year of club control left. So unless you sign him to a multi-year deal, you're only going to get him for one season. But if you can turn, you know, if you can turn Taiwan Walker into what Michael Pineda has been, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility. I mean, that could be a guy worth, you know, keeping around for a long time or uh, possibly able to trade at the deadline. Um, DePoto did mention that he would like a guy. Um, he talked about this a little bit. He, he, he specifically said he would like guys in their 20s. Well, that's Walker. Um, he said he would like guys who um, have starting experience but could move to the bullpen, um, you know, when Justin Dunn is ready. Um, honestly, I, I don't put too much stock in that because basically every pitcher in baseball can move to the bullpen if you need them to. Um, it's not, you know, seamless by any stretch, but it's not – it's a lot easier to go from the rotation to the bullpen than the other way around. So, um, that, you know, Kevin Gossman maybe kind of fits that a little bit. Mm-hmm. He did pitch out yeah. of the bullpen. Um, I, I think he's just outside of his twenties. I think he's 30, 31. Um, don't know right off the top of my head. Uh, I thought he maybe fit. There's also guys like Jesse Hahn. who's just kind of, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, those couple guys, Walker's the one that, uh, jumped out to me. Jimmy Nelson is another guy that I would really like. Yep. Um, you know, that's basically a number two upside guy right there. Uh, again, unless you sign him to a multi-year deal, you're only going to have him for one season. But I mean, he's, he's coming back from Tommy John. He got his, you know, last year was his recovery year and he struggled with his uh, command, but the stuff was really good. Um, and so I would definitely take a shot on Jimmy Nelson because there's a chance you can turn him into something. I mean, Tanner Rourke got a good prospect at the deadline for half mm-hmm. a season. Yeah. If Jimmy Nelson's a number two for the first half of this year, you're definitely going to get something for him at the deadline. Um, and then kind of the other name uh, that we talked about in our offseason sim, uh, Aaron Sanchez. Uh, he was non-tendered. He has some bullpen experience. He has uh, just one year left on his contract as well. The may shoulder. not be able to pitch this year. Yeah. Right. That's that's part of the issue is you need you need to know the medicals, um, which means you need to get them into town and test that. Um, but we'll see. I mean, those are just kind of the names, almost entirely pitchers. There's only one or two hitters that I was like, eh, maybe. Um, you know, but it pretty talented group of guys who just got non-tendered. So um, I, I think Jerry will sign at least one of them. Uh, in fact, I think he already said that he's already uh, talked to several of the agents or agents for several players that were uh, not tendered. Yeah, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. But uh, we will definitely be the uh, the Taiwan Walker. Um, well, not us alone. I have, have you met a Mariner fan yet who doesn't want Taiwan Walker back? Nope. I haven't uh, seen anything. That tweet you uh, you put out. Of the of the picture of Taiwan and Mariners yeah, uniform right. was uh, did pretty well, so uh, I think the general consensus here from uh, from the Mariners fan base is uh, bring them home. Just think of all the good material you can get out of that. Yep. The Force Awakens. Yep. The rise of Ty Walker. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It is going to be so nice, Jerry. Oh. Just just please. I mean, come on. Do it on December twentieth. Sign them on December 20th for the memes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I just, uh, I mean, come on, Jerry. We know 2020 is going to be rough, but, uh, I mean, give us a little something something here. Ty- Taiwan Walker, back to Seattle. Uh, we but are gonna start is it really going to be rough? I mean, Kyle Lewis, I've been I mean, it'll be fun to watch, but, I mean, <laughs> I, I think you're probably looking at, like, another 70-win season. Um, I'm fine with that. <laughs> I mean, 
if the kids get to play a lot, sure. But yeah. uh, we're officially starting the marketing campaign, uh, the rise of Ty Walker. So uh, okay. maybe you guys can hashtag that and uh, we'll get that going. So anyways, um, let's move on to the big news of the day. Let's talk about this Omar Narvaez trade. Um, as we mentioned earlier, kind of a 3 a.m. announcement from Ken Rosenthal. We got the uh, the official trade about three or four hours after that. Um, and it breaks down pretty pretty simply. Um, Omar Narvaez to the Milwaukee Brewers for right-handed pitcher Adam Hill and the 70th overall pick in the uh, 2020 MLB draft. Uh, remember, the competitive balance picks are able to be traded. Uh, those are the only draft picks that can be traded. So uh, second year in a row, the Mariners have uh, garnered a, a draft pick as part of a trade um, in Basically, the exact. First, and maybe we'll uh, spin it off into what the draft pick means. Uh, Omar Narvaez is out. Uh, Adam Hill is back. What do you think? Um, I like it. I, I, I actually really like it. Um, you know, I I wanted to find find a deal that. I wanted them to find a deal that made sense for for them going forward. That that really um, that really weighed the value of what Omar's offense could bring to them over the next three years compared to what they could bring back in a trade. And I think that they found a good balance of that um, because I, I was really still on board with you know. You don't trade good players just to trade them, especially in terms of Narvaez. Yes, the defense is bad. Yes, first base is pretty much locked up with Evan White, but that bat is pretty special. Um, but I think that they made out well. I think the addition of the competitive balance round B pick does a lot for this trade. Uh, we'll have to play the long game in terms of, you know, really seeing how the Mariners did in the steal. Um, and we'll, you know, like you said, we'll go uh, deeper into what the pick actually means. But I really like Adam Hill. Uh, he was uh, South Carolina's ace uh, when he was in college. Uh, was originally drafted by the Mets in 2018. Got traded to the Brewers for Keon Broxton 2019. Yeah. Uh, or right before 2019. And was really solid in A-ball last year. 3.92 ERA, nearly a strikeout per inning. And he's mid-90s with the fastball, has a really good slider. The changeup's starting to really come. Um, there's some videos, I don't know if you've seen them, from Pitching Ninja of his uh, changeup back when he was in college, and it is pretty pretty special. Um but I've heard like there are some command issues with it. He's had some mechanical issues overall. Um, walked four batters per nine last year, so that's not good, especially at A-ball. Um, but this organization, this regime specifically, has thrived in developing young pitching talent. And I think at worst, with Adam Hill, you have a good late-inning reliever. And at best, I think he's a middle-of-the-rotation piece, and I think there is a very good chance that he can reach that potential. Um, because the repertoire, uh, repertoire is refined, it's just mechanical issues. Um, yeah, you know, I'm not quite as high on Hill as you are. Um, you know, there's fastballs, you know, 90-91, can hit 93-94. Six foot six, really tall, uh, big guy, but he doesn't throw straight over the top like a lot of uh taller mm-hmm. guys he's kind of a you know a three quarters ish type of guy um mm-hmm. like i said uh the fast because of that though the fastball does have some uh some life to it um mm-hmm. so it could play up a little bit like you mentioned the mechanical issues those are kind of a problem those lead to inconsistencies in the wind up um he's not a great athlete i think you know i've read he's below average athlete which makes his mechanics all that more important because he's unlikely that he's going to be able to fix that uh, in the middle of an outing. Um, you know, sometimes guys can feel their way through the first 
inning or two and then finally find their mechanics. Um, those guys are typically pretty good athletes. Um, Hill's not. Uh, like I said, the fastball is average, I would say, right now. Uh, the changeup is seems to be the out pitch there. Um, slider is fringy. Um, I think you know there's a lot to uh, lot to work with here, but he's also a you know entering just his second full season of pro ball, and we've talked about this I don't know how many times. The Mariners are pretty good at finding out what a pitcher does well and making him better at it. Um, and that's what they have a chance to do here. I, I don't think, you know, Hill... And I think the key is going to be using that changeup more. Right. Um, I You know, you don't want to give up on the slider because he needs that third pitch to stick in the rotation. But uh, mm-hmm. we saw... we saw, And, you know, he uses the slider or the changeup quite a bit right now. But we saw what the Mariners were able to do with Brandon Brennan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a tall, lanky guy. Doesn't really throw straight over the top. You know, his fastball was you know, 92, 93, he threw a slider way more than he threw the change up and the Mariners took him in the rule five and said, um, no, you're going to throw your change up. And also we're going to tweak your mechanics a little bit. And then for the first, what, two months of the year, Brandon Brennan was one of the best relievers in baseball with, you know, a filthy sinking fastball that was 96 in a, you know, a wipeout change up. Um, so yeah, the Mariners, pretty good at that uh you know like i said brennan's 6'4 220 hill's about you know a couple inches taller um i think that's kind of what they're looking at and i'm more than willing to give them the the benefit of the doubt here and see what they can do with this uh with this arm because there is certainly upside here uh fan had um hill ranked as the number 15 prospect in the brewer system uh you know i was looking at our ranks today I think I would probably slide him somewhere around 25-ish. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it's a useful big league piece. I think, you know, he's probably, um, you know, at least a year and a half away. Uh, and we'll see what they decide to do. He'll, he'll start the year, I'm guessing, in Modesto uh, with George Kirby and uh, um, Brandon Williamson. Uh, I think they'll be in Modesto. They could start in uh, – West Virginia. West Virginia. Well. Yeah. yeah, so we'll see how all that works out. But overall, I think the arm that they got, Adam Hill, there's upside there. Um, he's a very uh, mariner-y looking project. Um, and if they can maybe get that fastball to jump a mile or two uh, with more consistency and uh, you know get that slider to be at least average, that uh, that changeup gives them a shot to be a uh, you know a number four starter and at worst a you know, sixth, seventh inning bullpen arm. So, um, right. yeah, I think he'll probably. I'm a little surprised that you're not as high on him as I am. Um, I thought I thought you would like him a bit more, but it seems like you and I kind of have a bit different information too. I heard some better things about the slider, some not amazing things about the changeup. So, uh, you know, and that's kind of what happens when you're when you're quickly trying to find out about a player that you don't can't see a whole lot of. Right. You don't have a lot of video to work off of. Yeah. Um, we clearly don't. I don't even know where Milwaukee's single A team is. Is that? It is. Hold on. I wrote it in the. I wrote it in. Uh, well, either way, we don't live there. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's I mean, actually just like Wisconsin something. The, is yeah. It the Rattlers. Or whatever. Yeah, the, the Timber Rattlers. Yeah. I think that used to be a Mariners affiliate. Um, okay. But yeah, no, we don't. Uh, we don't live there. We've never seen a pitch before. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, I think he's a fine arm. I think he's a good lottery ticket. Um, I just think he's more of a, you know, he's a 45 grade prospect on the 2080 scale. And I think he's closer to 40 than 50. But again, you know, we haven't seen him in the Mariner system and whether you want to talk about LJ Newsom or Juan Thin or, you know, we talked about Brandon Brennan and Austin Adams, uh, you know, however you want to slice it. Uh, the Mariners are good at getting guys from other systems and turning them into something. Well, I think with that, the Mariners have earned our faith, right? And then being able to at least find some, yeah, yeah. And I and I think, and that's that's what's slightly led me to be so high on Hill is that I think that 
they'll find whatever he does well and really execute that. Um, and I think that goes to the changeup. I, I think, you know, the slider development, um, keeping that fastball in the mid-90s. Um, yeah, I, I, I think they could do a, some really good things with him. I, I think he's... I think he is a really good canvas for for them to work on. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm just kind of grading him on what he is right now. Um, yeah. Mariners can make changes, and uh, he could obviously, you know, improve greatly. So um, yeah. we'll see how that all works out uh, for Hill. Like I said, I like the arm. I think, you know, he's probably a big leaguer. Um, I I don't know right now if I would consider him to be much of an impact big leaguer. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's a good arm. It's pretty much a clean slate. Like I said, it's only his second year um, in uh, professional baseball. So uh, they'll, they'll have a chance to, uh, to work on him and uh, find something. And you know what? They've already found it. Now it's just a matter of whether or not they can, they can make it work. Um mm. And uh, like like you said, I think you know um, we're willing to give them the benefit of the doubt because their track record and their reputation in baseball right now is, um, in terms of pitching development, is you know one of the most you know, the highest esteem is held for the Mariners' pitching development right now, which is crazy because like three years ago it was probably a joke. So uh-huh. uh, we'll see how that works. But uh, you know, let's talk about the reason why we can't really give giveaway a draft grade right or a trade grade right now um that's because you know perhaps the biggest return in this trade might be that draft pick uh the 70th overall pick right now uh, things will shift and change as you know the the qualifying offer guys sign and things like that um but right now it's the 70th overall pick um ty what do you think of the uh, the inclusion of the draft pick yeah i think it's the meat and potatoes of the steal, really um you know, last year when they got the 76 pick from the Indians in the Encarnacion Santana swap, that became Isaiah Campbell, who for us in our personal rankings is just on the outside looking in of the top 10 of the Mariners organizational rankings. And I, you know, and using that as context, I think that's kind of the guy that you're, you're, you're looking at with that pick. Furthermore, um, this also adds more money to their bonus pool mm-hmm. and could allow them to, you know, either spend big with their first pick, which they're going to do already. We, you know, that's to be assumed, but, uh, or, you know, it allows them with their second rounder to maybe spend more on a, on a guy that, you know, on a first round talent that has fallen due to signability issues. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a lot to like with the addition of the pick. Um, I'm that's really where my focus is and how that turns out. But I think they're going to end up with a top 15 organizational player, or at least somewhere in that range. Sure. And they'll probably be able to use some of that money in the earlier rounds to, to, maybe come away with two first round talents at the end of the day. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, I think that's kind of the idea there is, uh, you know, we're going to basically, we're going to have the opportunity to draft the prospect that we wanted, uh, for Omar Narvaez or the type of prospect we wanted for Omar Narvaez. Oh, and you're going to throw in this, uh, you know, this interesting blank canvas that we can work on. Sounds good to me. So, um, the draft this year, you know, speaking to the draft uh, in general, it's pr- pretty highly thought of, um, particularly in the college arm department. We know how much the Mariners love to take those college arms. Uh, so this draft seems like a pretty good bet or a pretty good fit for the Mariners to take advantage of their skill. Um, they pick sixth overall, and then I think they pick 44th is their next pick. Um, in the second round, and then they'd go uh, pick 70 right now. Uh, so they'll have three picks on day one. Um, and then, you know, they'll have the sixth pick overall on day two uh, as they work their way through rounds three through uh, 10 that day. Um, so, like I said, it's a really good draft class for college arms. The Mariners, you know, specialty right now is developing these college arms. 
and there's a good chance we're going to get, you know, we're going to get to see Logan Gilbert. So we'll get to see kind of the, the first, uh, the first step in that process. Uh, George Kirby doesn't seem like he's far behind. Brandon Williamson is a fast riser. Um, and you know, it's interesting last year, I think the Mariners picked 72nd is where that pick ended up being sixth, 76, yeah. 76. And they got Isaiah Campbell who I think we had just outside our top 10 prospects mm-hmm. this year. Yep. 12. Um, yeah, that's, that's a pretty good arm. You know, Campbell's a, a guy who I, you know, I think we said, you know, number three, number four starter or eighth inning setup type. Uh, you can get pretty good talent there in the seventies. So, um, you know, if the Mariners had traded Narvaez for Isaiah Campbell, I would have been just fine with that. Um, they get instead they get Adam Hill and then they get a shot to get another Isaiah Campbell. Um, I mean, obviously we'll see how the draft goes. There's, you know, and to be fair, Isaiah Campbell is number twelve in a good system. Yeah. So you know, Isaiah Campbell could be a top seven guy in some farm systems, depending on who it is. But yeah, that's like that's a really really solid prospect that you have a chance of getting at that spot. Yeah, it is. And like you said, the, the extra bonus pool money, I think it's close to a million dollars. That can help you manipulate the board. You're already picking sixth. So, I mean, you know, your, your, your bonus pool is already going to be way higher than it was last year when you were picking 20th. Um, but yeah, that sixth pick, all of a sudden you start looking and you go, okay, there's a good chance I can get, a prospect who is going to who is going to be in the discussion to be the number one prospect in a good system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that's the quality we're talking about here. Um, well, and we've seen teams kind of cheap out on their top ten picks over the last couple of years to right, you know, keep to that and, money. Yep. Yeah, and so I think that kind of eliminates that idea for them, and now yeah. they have the freedom to just get who they want. In my opinion. Right. And that's the thing, though, is, you know, the Mariners have never, uh, well, under DePoto at least, the Mariners haven't really played that game. You know, they've drafted guys and given them basically their slot. You know, Kyle Lewis got his slot, Evan White got slot, Logan Gilbert got slot, Kirby got slot. Like, they don't, they're not trying to manipulate that board to save money, not in the first round. But what you're saying is with the second round pick, if you have a guy, Mm -hmm. probably a high school guy, that's usually how it works, says, I want to go to college. And you say, well, we're going to make you the number six overall pick. And that, you know, has a bonus of, I don't know, $5 million. And we're going to throw in an extra $500,000 because we have this extra money to play with. You still want to go to college? And, you know, the answer could be yes. But if the answer is yes, then the Mariners probably aren't taking them at six. They're not going to risk that. Um, so, I mean, like I said, there's just a good chance here that whether it's a guy like, you know, uh, Asa Lacey, Emerson Hancock, uh, you know, uh, Garrett Crochet is a guy that I like. Uh, Garrett Mitchell, the outfielder. I know Spencer Torkelson's a really popular name. I'm eh, I'm eh on Torkelson. Um, but, you know, regardless of who you're going to – the guy that you have at six is going to have a decent chance to uh, jump either Kelnick or uh, Julio uh, for that number one spot. Um, I wouldn't say it's likely, but I think it's a pretty decent shot. Um that's the kind of player that you're going to get in the draft this year. And now with the extra bonus money, you can really start to run this thing from the top. And, uh, you know, it's all about just adding talent in any avenue you can get. The Brewers don't have a great farm system. They just don't. So basically you got, you know, a mid-range prospect, which is, you know, about what we kind of expected for um, Narvaez. And you get the chance to basically draft whoever you want to complete that trade um yeah yeah, it's it's tough to find anything wrong with it with the deal today um yeah i mean last year you know you saw what the mets did they were able to get matthew allen in the third round because they had money left over and they were able to give him what he wanted to persuade him to to go professional um you know there's there's going to be opportunities for the mariners to do that and now they have more money to do that that's really exciting yeah it is um so we'll see uh we'll see how that works out for them uh overall i'm a fan of the trade the draft pick is uh the real prize for me 
Um, Adam Hill is, like I said, he's a, for me, he's a, uh, you know, a canvas that, um, you know, maybe it's, it's just been primed and you can kind of put whatever you want on there and, uh, see if it looks good. So I, you know, I, I think overall you're talking about the Mariners probably got, you know, with the draft pick, just to put it in layman's terms, not that it ever works out this easy. They probably got somebody who will rank in their top. 12 to 15 prospect wise next year uh-huh. and somebody who's going to rank i would guess 24 25 maybe a little higher maybe a little lower but basically they got you know they're going to end up getting two top 30 ish prospect organizational prospects for narvaez i'm 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 perfectly happy with that yeah well i mean you know when you're really thinking about it this is what alex calame got you yep. you know if you're thinking of you know if you take Narvaez completely out of the equation and just think about if you were able to trade Alex Colomay for Adam Hill and a top 70 pick. Yep. I mean, you got to be absolutely thrilled with that. So um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with it. Like I said, at the top of the discussion, um, it was really just about, can they bring back good enough value to justify losing the bat? And, I think there is the potential to have that here. Right. Um, you know, we'll never know uh, quite what happened in the uh, in the clubhouse and things like that. But there was a report today that Divish, uh, Ryan Divish had reported that, uh, you know, I think the word he used was apathetic. Um, Narvaez's uh, pregame work was appeared to be a little apathetic towards the end of the year. Um, where Tom Murphy is much more of a grinder, um, which led pitchers to prefer Murphy uh, behind the dish, which, I mean, part of me is like, well, he's a catcher who caught a lot in the first half, you know, catching a bunch of basically scrubs in the September who are, you know, on your way to a 94 loss season. Yeah, I could see how that, you know, you could kind of lose your way there. Um he said, I don't think Narvaez is a bad uh, teammate or anything like that. Uh, you know, with kind of like Gene Segura last year, I could see some people drawing that parallel. Um, I, I don't think that's the case. I don't doubt Divish's reporting at all. Um, I just think, you know, it was just one of those things where we have Tom Murphy. We really like Tom Murphy. And even though the bat is probably not repeatable, the power is. And, you know, the pitch framing is. And the ability to work and develop these pitchers alongside the coaching staff is. And you get an extra year of club control. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's great to have a catcher who can hit. And Narvaez is probably a safer bet to hit than Murphy is. Um, But at the end of the day, that's a defensive position. And the guys who can do both are so rare that if you have a guy you think can do both, you have to give him the job and see what happens. So, um, And even more importantly, with guys like, Justin Dunn looking to, you know, have pretty much a full season at the major league level. Logan Gilbert should pitch maybe, you know, three to four months at the major league level this year. Um, You know, with that, you probably want a guy that's better tuned defensively, you know, in game management, et cetera. And those are the things that Narvaez struggles with. Pitch framing, game management, you know, just the overall catching ability just isn't there for, for Narvaez in comparison to Tom Murphy and even to a certain degree, Austin Nola. Now, I don't know a whole lot about Austin Nola's ability behind uh, or at the backstop, but I Sounds like I it's imagine, about average. Yeah, I imagine that it's better than Narvaez. So... It'd be kind of I, hard to be worse. Yeah, so I think... I think it's I, I think it's just a better way to go overall. I think it's better for the pitching staff, especially the young guys, and I think it's better for just the overall value that the ha- that the Mariners have defensively uh, from that position. So, um, you know, it sucks losing the bat. That it's never easy to to lose a 119 WRC plus hitter. Yeah, but the defense considering the, the position that he plays and considering that you have Evan White at first base, 
currently you have Daniel Vogel back as the de facto designated hitter and, you know, may look to use that position by committee, by committee later, later on. Um, there just wasn't a clear path for Narvaez to play mm-hmm. and contribute to the stand. Yep. Uh, I would agree. So, um, you know, I think, I, you know, I think at the end of the day, Narvaez got about what I was hoping for. Um, you know, obviously you would like to know, you know, who the, because really for me, this is like, if you're, if you're, like the Gene Segura or the Taiwan Walker for Cattell Marte trade, that was, you know, the Gene Segura trade originally, right? Mm-hmm. Didn't yeah. take long for that to become the Mitch Hanniger trade, but I mean, at the time it was the Gene Segura trade. To yeah. me, you know, and this now is, it's become the Cattell Marte trade. <laughs> right. It's funny how that works out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Mitch wasn't healthy last year, so we'll see what he can do. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, that's still a pretty good trade for both sides. Um, to me, this is going to become the whoever they take at the 70th pick trade, and then maybe Adam Hill is Mitch Hanniger, and you're like, well, actually, that was the Adam Hill trade. Um, so, you know, that's just kind of how I would phrase it. It's it's the Omar Narvaez for a draft pick uh, trade, uh, and then, you know, Adam Hill is the uh, the secondary piece to me. Um, and, you know, it, it would, like I said, it would, be very, it would be a lot easier if DePoto had just traded Narvaez for two current professional baseball players we could give you a much better answer um but as it sits right now based on what we know and our understanding of things i think it's a solid trade i I think it's about you know i think it's about what i would have expected so i mean yeah i'd give it a 50 grade um for now yeah i mean it's kind of tough to give it anything else i mean i mean putting upside and and you know, fact, right. factoring upside and uh, everything. I, I think it's 50. You know, because also you have to consider this from the Brewers standpoint. You know, because I'm grading, that's a grade for the overall trade for both sides. From the Brewers standpoint, they've lost Yasmani Grandal. I think Narvaez, there's a good shot that he'll be able to give you some, give them similar offensive production. But Grandal is one of the better defensive catchers in the league. So you were going from that to the worst in the league last year by Fangraph standards. Um, you know, you consider there's no DH in, in the National League. So really, Narvaez, if they later decide that he's not the their everyday catcher, he's going to be at first base. And you know, now entering his first year of arbitration, he's already making $3 million. You know, when that arbitration number goes up to eight to ten million, is he a non-tender candidate for them because of the defense? You know, so those are the things that you have to take into account here. I don't think that there is really, unless Narvaez makes huge strides in improving his defense, which I think at this point is not very possible i think he kind of is who he is yeah (laughs) um so unless that happens i don't think there's any way for this trade to be looked at as oh the mariners got fleeced even if the even if adam hill turns out to be nothing even if the the pick turns out to be you know whatever right right? process yeah i think it's a pretty good trade for both sides I think it's a trade that makes sense for both sides. Um, yeah. you know, and, and even if they kept Narvaez, we would have a similar discussion about what the Mariners would be doing with him next year or the year after. You know, it, and you know, potentially at that point, do they get to a, to a spot where they're not able to trade him because teams know that they'll just non-tender him? Yeah. You know, kind of with what happened with Domingo Santana. So I think it's a, I think it's a good, smart idea. Um, you know, obviously, I you know you can never really like a trade in which you're giving up a really good hitter. Um, but I don't think that they did what I was afraid they were going to do and just trade a good player just to trade him. No, yeah, they got value. Yeah, uh, quite a bit of it, I would say. They said you gave it a fifty. I think you know 
until you see the draft pick, it's kind of tough. But in terms of process, this is probably like a 60. Um, just strictly process. I don't know about return yet uh, because, you know, obviously the pick hasn't been made. Um, but process, this is probably a 60-65 for me. Like you said, they didn't wait too long to trade him. Um, they were aggressive in the market. Uh, they, I think they traded him at the right time, you know, right after all those big catchers went off the board. And all of a sudden, you know, they found the team that was sitting there without or a couple teams that were fighting for the last chair. Uh, in this game of musical catcher chairs. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, the market on Narvaez is probably a couple of, you know, minor league arms with, you know, some 50 grade upside. I'm uh-huh. guessing it was probably a couple of Juan Thens was the best the Mariners were going to do. And they said, well, we'll take one Juan Thens and then we'll draft a guy who we think is a little bit better than Juan Thens, like Isaiah Campbell. Um, so I think that's, you know, really. Uh, it's a creative way to get a little bit better on the prospect in by not actually getting a prospect yet. So um, it's a very Jerry DePoto trade, I think. So uh, overall, I, I'm happy with it. And uh, as for what's next, I don't know. Uh, you know, it sounds like Jerry's focusing on the pitching side of things right now. Bullpen, um, bullpen arm, uh, you know, pro- he is going to add another starter. Um, you know, he's been pretty clear about that. You know, it's winter meetings are next week. It's entirely possible that the next move the Mariners make are select is selecting somebody in the Rule Five draft. Forty man rosters at thirty seven. I think it's good pros- uh, I think it's good probability right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's much else to say. You have anything else you want to say, Ty? Um, no, I think you know Jerry said that he expects a fairly quiet winter meetings. Um, I'm here to tell you, don't trust a single word this man says. Uh, <laughs> also, his definition of quiet is probably a lot different than most people's. Uh, so I expect the Mariners to do something at the winter meetings. Maybe it's finally the D. Gordon trade that we've been waiting on. You know, maybe it's something like that. Um, but I expect them to do something outside of a Rule 5 selection, which is pretty much automatic that they're going to do at this point. Cross my fingers for Zach Brown. We'll talk more about that uh, next week. Um, but, yeah, I I think it's... Uh, I, I am really interested to see what else they have in store, especially after his comments yesterday about, you know, the positional group being pretty much set. What does that mean for Jake Fraley, Kyle Lewis? Does that mean that they expect them to be on the opening day roster? I don't think so. Cause you still have Malik Smith. You have Mitch Hanniger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, as of right now you still have D Gord, which means shed long could need to be in the outfield. Some, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, you know, I think it probably doesn't bode well because I, I would assume Braden Bishop's probably ahead of both of them at this point, uh, sure. just because he doesn't have the upside, you know, with the bat that Fraley does, I'm certainly not Lewis. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I, I, it, the old anchor man, uh, you know, I don't believe you. <laughs> yep. uh, Jerry says he's basically done with the positional players. Jerry's done until he sees something he likes and then he's not done. And so, um, he like said, you know, I, I, t- I take his word for it. That's going to be a quieter off season. That being said, we've already had like, six or seven 40 man moves now. Um, and we're not even at the winter meetings. Yeah. That that's, I mean, I suppose that's quiet for Jerry, but for the rest of baseball, eh, not okay. really. So, um, we'll see. I, you know, I'm sure there'll be some kind of Mitch Hanniger rumor that gets, you know, leaked at the deadline or at the winter meetings. There'll probably be a, you know, Hey, you know, so-and-so is looking for a center fielder, Malik Smith could make sense. You know, there'll be stuff like that, but we'll just have to wait and see. You know, I think the Mariners are actually usually pretty quiet at the winter meetings. They don't do a lot of their big, you know, they get a lot of their heavy lifting done before the winter meetings and then after the winter meetings. Uh, But that could change this year. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, All 30 GMs and basically every front office in baseball is all together at the same place. They're going to be involved. They're not going to sit in their hotel room and just wait for the, you know, wait for the three days to be over. So they made the, uh, the Encarnacion deal at the, or at the winter meetings last year, right? Last, that was the, that was the, the hospital bed. 
That yeah. was the hospital bed trade, right? I, that was the last day of the winter meetings. I think it was just before the Rule 5 draft started, if I remember correct, or just after the mm-hmm. Rule 5. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that that's kind of the one. But, uh, you know, I remember a few years ago it was Juan Nicasio was their big winter meeting signing. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Jerry gets Jerry gets work done in November. That's that's when Jerry likes to work. So um, yeah. we'll see what happens. I You know. Well, they're still looking to acquire uh, another veteran starter, uh, another yep. veteran reliever. Um, I guess through the through the free agent market. So um, mm-hmm. maybe they maybe they have a deal in place there. Uh, we'll see. Sure. We know uh, they're working on. It. We'll see what yep. happens there. Um, by the way, the St. Louis Cardinals happen to be a pretty good fit for Mitch Haniger. St. Louis Cardinals were awarded basically an extra first round pick because I don't know nobody knows why they keep getting these picks. Um, but they got one, so if the Mariners are interested in acquiring draft picks, uh, there we go. So, so uh, something to keep an eye on. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's all we have for you today. Uh, Ty, any final thoughts before we sign off? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think we uh, we had ourselves a pretty solid show. Hope you yep. guys enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, same here, man. So uh, let's 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 do our normally plugging things, and then we'll get out of here. So. Uh, make sure. sure you guys visit sotomojo.com for all your Mariners content. Ty wrote the article on Omar Narvaez. I'm sure we'll have more on this deal. Um, you know, uh, some, you know, accompanying articles that are linked off of this trade. Uh, it's kind of the, might be the biggest trade Jerry makes in terms of name uh, this winter. We'll see, but uh, make sure you guys go to sotomojo.com for all of that fun stuff. Um, make sure you follow us on our uh, social media. We're on Twitter at sotomojofs. We're also on Facebook. You can find us by searching Soto Mojo there. Um, you can follow Ty on Twitter at Dane Gonzalez. That's at D A N E G N Z L Z, right? Yep. On Twitter. Yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at CPAT11, spelled like it sounds. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, we have a good time. We talk Mariners baseball. Make sure you guys subscribe to the podcast uh, so you don't miss any new episodes. And give us a uh, if you're listening on iTunes, maybe give us a five star review. Uh, that would be that would be very nice. It would help us uh, greatly. But uh, again, guys, please visit the website sotomojo.com. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I, I don't know. I'd probably give it a 55 grade pro- podcast today, um, considering so how slightly totally... slightly better than the trade. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's you know it's a, I mean it's a Marco Gonzalez cutter. Like it's you know it's it's useful it's useful you you can get some guys out with that uh, but anyways thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast and I will see you in another life peace out peace.